good morning, good uh, Monday morning to everyone. Welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the industry. Really excited to uh, chat with our guest this uh, this morning and find out uh, his takes on uh, where we're at in the industry, sort of uh, his uh, maybe a little bit of secret sauce about uh, the success of his company and, and where he sees things going. Uh, uh, but before we do that, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors at Incelerate. So if you haven't heard, we've been uh, uh, promoting Incelerate the last couple of weeks, and uh, I really want to make sure everyone knows about them. Incelerate's a great company. They help lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement as the mortgage industry's most innovative marketing and sales engagement platform. Incelerate CRM helps lenders manage workflow, contact strategies, lead management, referral, and realtor partners in reporting. Incelerate's engagement platform automates multi-channel marketing through social media, email, direct mail, text messages, ringless voicemail, and phone calls. It's all pre-built with strategies and content to enable a better borrower engagement. Incelerate integrates with the software that's already powering your business today and will into the future. In addition, the platform is SOC 2 and SSAE 18 certified to satisfy even the most closely regulated businesses that includes banks with mortgage subsidiaries. So for more information, or to uh, check out a demo, make sure and go to Incelerate.com, or you can contact the company at the phone number listed in the description below. So with that uh, with that done, let's uh, go to uh, Susan Malazzo at the California MBA for uh, this week's uh, weekly video update. Hi, this is Susan with the California MBA, here with your weekly video update. This week, we have an exciting announcement for our Mortgage Innovators Conference 2020. We are taking that completely virtual this year. Uh, This will expand our ability to showcase even more technology solutions to help independent mortgage bankers grow in the future. So visit our website for more information as it develops, and perhaps um, you are a company that would like to have your technology solutions featured this year. We'd be happy to welcome you into our virtual conference this year. It will be happening in August, and our website's mortgageinnovators.com for more information. And remember, virtually anything is possible. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time. All right, Susan, thanks. That's uh, It's really exciting to hear what's uh, going on with the Mortgage Innovators Conference. I'm really excited to uh, uh, help uh, get that going and uh, uh, be our first 100% virtual conference. So it'll be, a, I think, a, an exciting adventure for everyone. All right, so let's get into the conversation today. I'm excited to welcome Rick Arbiello, an old friend of the California MBAs. Uh, Rick is the uh, co-founder and CEO of New American Funding in Southern California. And uh, Rick's been a, uh, a leader in the industry, both on the formerly on the board of the California MBA, and I know he's been involved with the uh, National MBA for a number of years. And he's just a great leader, and I think uh, someone that uh, I think everyone can learn something from. So I'm really excited to find out what uh, Rick has to say today. Welcome, Rick. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah. So let's get into it here. I'm curious. Let's uh, for those that don't know you and know your background, tell me uh, how uh, you and what led you and Patty to uh, found the company. Yeah, so uh, it's an interesting story. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. You know, I started a company with a couple of high school buddies um, back in the 80s, and uh, we sold it in the mid-90s and thought I retired. Um, Stock market made sure I had to go back to work. And at the time, uh, I was dating Patty and didn't know what I I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I was a bartender when I bootstrapped my first company. So I thought about going back to that. And she said, nonsense, try mortgage. So that's uh, quite literally how uh, I got involved in the mortgage industry. That was back in 2000, 2001, actually. Um, 
ran a business for another gentleman for a couple of years. And then in 2003, uh, Patty and I decided to kind of take our show on the road and, and start our own thing. So uh, that's kind of the quick and down and dirty of how I got started in the mortgage business. That's exciting. So tell me, I'm curious, what are some, maybe some of the early challenges you, you faced in building the business? And, uh, you know, maybe what's something that, you know, you go back and, you know, even maybe do differently or something that, you know, that if you're talking to someone that's uh, just founding a company, you'd say you have to do this. You know, I, um, what's interesting is I didn't, when I got involved, I didn't really want to do loans myself. So, uh, my corporate, my corporate name is Broker Solutions Incorporated. The DBA is New American Funding, uh, because my background was in tech and marketing. So I wanted to develop technology for the mortgage business. And, uh, the reason I started with the small group in 2001 is I wanted to try to perfect the technology. So I had to obviously become engaged with an ongoing mortgage concern to figure everything out. And then I realized that the mortgage business was actually fun. So, uh, that's why we, I, I pivoted in 2003 and decided to take the technology we had to developed that we were going to make available for brokers around there and just, you know, use that as my wholly owned technology and started new american funding um using that but your your other question about you know what what i would advise entrepreneurs that want to get into the space and the 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 when i give counsel the mistake i see most often is you know people seem to want to jump to the middle of the ladder and they're they're unwilling to start at the bottom rung and maybe because of my background starting the you know bootstrapping a company when i was in my early 20s um you know it was uh, it served me well to start on the bottom rung and then to slowly climb the ladder and that's really what i did in the mortgage business too even though i had patty with years and years of experience cuz it's all she's ever done you know i didn't have that experience so I think that everybody that wants to start something shouldn't be afraid to start at the bottom rung and climb the ladder slowly because the lessons you learn on those lower rungs will serve you well as the business starts to expand. So I can't I, I give that advice to everybody. Sort of grow with the business. Grow with the business and, and learn it along the way. You know, it's interesting about mortgage is it's so compartmentalized. You know, I was kind of fascinated when I got into it. I wanted to you know, hire a consultant that could just, you know, show me the whole roadmap of mortgage. And they, I couldn't find them. They didn't exist. I mean, you had the originators, you had the ops people, you have the capital markets people, you've got, uh, you know, you just go on and on. And it's, you don't, there, it's very hard to find somebody that knows everything. So for us to be on this journey from a five man broker shop, because that's how we started. We we're five people and now we're 3,600 people 18 years later it allowed me uh, to learn that business all the way through. And so now I'm very comfortable running it, obviously with my wife, who's very tenured. She's been doing it since she was 16 years old. So she, I think she's on her 39th year or something like that in this business. So we, we definitely have the knowledge asset now to run the company even as big as we've become. That's amazing. That's amazing. There's some serious amount of that uh, lived experience in the in the business there. That's you know got to pay off. I'm curious. Um, so one thing that I've always uh, and I've known you now since as long as I've been here, you guys have been uh, um, 
leaders in the industry. One thing I've always noticed about you guys is you've got really an employee focus uh, with the sort of the, the culture that you've built there. And I'm curious, what's sort of the, the secret sauce there to building that positive employee focused and centric culture? Yeah, I, I, you know, we started that uh, probably, so we've been running this company since 2003, maybe it was 2009, coming out of the financial crisis, where we st really started to gain traction and grow the business. And maybe we're a couple of hundred people at that point, And we realized that it was important for us to establish a mission. It was important for us to establish culture. And, you know, it was important for us to establish engagement, especially as we started to open branches outside of our local corporate center, because we needed something to export to those branches so we could bring people that we weren't going to see every day into our world and understand clearly what New American Funding was all about. And Patty and I took it very seriously. We actually went to the Zappos boot camp. I don't know if you have ever heard of Zappos, but... Yeah. It's a, it's a shoe company, but uh, he's he's kind of a cultural expert and he's written books and he does talks on it. And we actually went, Patty and I went to Las Vegas and spent a weekend with Zappos to kind of get our minds around the importance and the method to develop a, a, an effective culture. And that's exactly what we did. We came back, like I said, we're 100 to 200 employees at that point. We got everyone engaged and said, we're going to we're going to really focus on coming out with a, a culture that's easy to understand, easy to explain, and we're going to be mission driven. So we're going to make clear what our mission is. And then you can join that story or you can choose not to because that's going to be our story and we're going to hold to it. And it's it's really served us well over the years. You know, our mission is uh, for those that don't know, you know, we're the biggest lender by percentage. Uh, to both the Latino communities and the African-American communities. And, and, and that's something that Patty's very passionate about. She's Latina. Um, so she focused, uh, focused on the Latino market. Initially, uh, she got challenged in a, a, a talk she was given uh, by a, a, an African-American gentleman. Says, well, what are you doing with the black community? And she says, well, I'm not black. So uh, really nothing. But she took that challenge and she started the um, the New American Dream initiative. And it works, right? Because we're by percentage the largest lender in both of those uh, worthy groups. Um, and from a uh, from a cultural standpoint, you know, we coined the, the phrase NAF 360. And basically what that means is New American funding 360 degrees. It doesn't matter who you come into contact with. Customers are obvious. Fellow employees are obvious. But even vendors, people that rely on us for their living, they need to be treated with dignity and respect. And that's pretty much it. You know, you need to be respectful for everybody that you interface with. And it's just mind blowing the yield you get from that, especially when it comes to from sales and ops, because, you know, a lot of times they they battle. Right. And not a new American funding. They serve each other. You know, the, the, the accolades that are extended every single month from sales to ops or ops to sales are just so refreshing uh, from a lot of what I've heard is out there and it's just served us really well. So, you know, being clear on our mission, being clear on our culture uh, has been two of the main pillars of New American Funding's success for all these years. That's great. That's I think that your your mission there and and 
sort of the the motto of respect. I, that's that's fantastic. I think that's something that everyone, I mean, no matter what business you're in or what industry you're in, that's you know I think something that uh, everyone can take to heart. Um, so I'm curious, uh, Rick, what's uh, how are things going right now? At uh, I mean, we're sort of a depending on I guess uh, how you look at it, uh, we're either right in the middle of the pandemic or starting to come out of it, or you know I'm not sure where sort of where we're at right now. It sounds like uh, states are going to probably start locking down again uh, before too long now that. Uh, Cases are going up. So, how are things going at uh, New American Funding? How are you guys adapting to that? And uh, what's maybe your outlook for the rest of the year? Yeah, you know, pleasantly surprised and elated, really, on how it's gone for us. I think that when Italy not locked down, what was that in mid February, maybe towards the end of February, uh, we kind of saw the handwriting in the wall early and decided we need to be prepared to move everyone home. So I, I feel like we had a good two-week head start on uh, on a lot of people, and we realized we needed to bring in computers. We need we realized that there was going to be scarcities out there as a result of everybody making this move. So we better get in front of the wave, which we did pretty effectively. We moved all employees home, even in servicing, even with our training. You know, we have a New American Funding University. Uh, we were able to move all those people home, and we're shocked and surprised and elated over the fact that our productivity went to the roof. I mean, immediately we started doing more loans than we thought possible. Uh, we're hitting new heights, breaking new records, you know, a month after May, even this month, we'll, we'll fund our reach goal is 9,200 loans. We've, I mean, the biggest month we've ever had last year was about 6,000. So that's, you know, quite an increase uh, to be able to pull off while simultaneously moving everyone home. So well, we didn't. Go yeah, ahead. I was just I'm curious with the, you know, that's got to be something as a as an owner, as a boss that, uh, you know, had to be worrying you in the back of your head uh, when you started on this, you know, as far as productivity. Um, I'm curious, is that something that, you know, you said you're you know pleasantly surprised on? Is that something you were worried about uh, as a business owner boss kind of thing or or did you kind of uh, you know sense that uh, you'd still have a, a strong you've got a strong enough team that you'd have a, a you know productivity wouldn't suffer too much yeah you know as a CEO I worry about everything all the time so <laughs> yeah I absolutely was worried um, you know I, I wasn't worried about ops you know we have a lot of our ops working from home now anyway uh, or have the right and the ability to work from home part-time I wasn't worried about sales, uh, really, because, you know, they're independent contractors from from uh, the sense of they do what they want when they want the outside sales. The call centers, I was a little more worried about that because depending on their acumen in the business, they might need a little more guidance. And I was what I was really worried about were the the, the young people we brought into this business to go through our our college, so to speak, because we'd never done that before. And then, and then service it, you know, because you remember you move everyone home right on the heels of everyone in the media going call for a forbearance. And, you know, we service our own loans. We don't use a subservicer. We have an operation out in Austin, Texas with a couple of hundred people and they're good, hardworking people, but they have never been made to, to do their job from home. So I was more worried about this spike in interest forbearance calls while moving those people home. But, you know, the gentleman that we have running that operation out there, Roger Stotts, is just a rock star. And he was able to uh, to pull it all together. Our NAF University, we didn't miss a beat. So we've got all those kids are still going through their curriculums. 
And so I was worried, but pleasantly surprised that, you know, we've just got, and this is one of the advantages of the strong culture, right? Everyone pinch hits and everyone dives in and does what's ever asked of them. And it's no small reason why we've just kind of raced up the leaderboard over the over the over the years, because we just have great people that have chosen to join New American Funding. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. And it's always catnip for me, throwing me a, a baseball metaphor. So, you know, keep those coming. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious what uh, as a as a lender servicer is maybe a, a sort of a lightning round here. What's what would be the biggest number that you're keeping an eye on, you know, going forward the rest of this year? Would it be like unemployment rates or mortgage rates or forbearance rates? You know, I think we we keep our eye on all three for different reasons, right? Unemployment rates, you know, that that's the pre- predecessor to uh, people walking away or losing their homes, you know, and they can't afford to keep their homes. So, th- you know, that's obviously something that we look at. We saw it back in 2007 and eight, right? Mass unemployment led to mass, uh, you know, uh, evictions and people losing their homes, unfortunately. Uh, I don't see that happening. I see that, you know, I see people going back to work just as quickly as they they left work. So that's good. Obviously, if we get another round of closures, that could change. Um, you know, it's uh, what were the other what was the what was the other mortgage one? Mortgage rates. Yeah. And forbearance rates. Yeah, I don't see mortgage rates going anywhere for quite a while. I think the Fed is going to be very accommodative for they they suggest all the way through 2022. I mean, obviously, inflation is going to have something to say about that. Um, and then the forbearance rates, you know, what's fascinating is we uh, we track this very closely. And I sit on a lot of the MBA working groups that talk about what's going on out there. And we're one full percentage point below uh, the industry average in terms of for- forbearance take of rates. Interesting. And what, what's interesting about that or more interesting for New American Funding is because we do so much lending to the Latino and the African African-American community. So we, when we look at our strats of all the forbearance take-ups and where they are from a FICO perspective or an ethnicity perspective, we do see an uptick in, uh, in forbearance take-up in Latino in the African-American communities, but we're still 1% lower than the national average. And we're the biggest lender in those spaces. So I think the reason for that is we didn't we didn't create like a push button, get a forbearance uh, to our consumers because it was a disservice. I've always felt that the way that the administration and the and the media pushed uh, forbearance was irresponsible because there is a consequence. You know, you got to come out of forbearance. And what exactly does that mean? And what does it mean to you personally? So we took time to educate borrowers on what it means. And so I think a lot of a lot of borrowers that were just calling in for a forbearance because that's all they were hearing on the news chose not to go into a forbearance, not because we didn't offer it or it wasn't available to them is because once they understood, you know, some of the challenges um, of coming out of a forbearance, uh, they made the choice not to and and, uh, you know, refinancing is a big part of that. So finally, just a couple of weeks ago, Fannie and Freddie came out and said, okay, 
when you come out of forbearance, you have to make three timely payments, and then you can access what's likely going to be much lower rates than what you had when you went into a forbearance. But Jenny May and, and HUD still hasn't come out with that guidance. For them, it's still a year. So I look at that as being a disservice because now you've got a borrower that heard on the news, call for a forbearance, whether they needed it or not. They might be paying four and a half, five percent interest rates. They go into a forbearance for a period of time. They come out. Rates are two and three quarters or three percent or something much lower. And they won't be able to get to those rates. At least they can't right now. And that's a shame. You know, that's a shame. And I don't understand why HUD hasn't, uh, you know, has it come out publicly and said, hey, well, even a three payment is a better option than a 12 payment. Oh, yeah. But we spent a lot of time educating the borrower and it's, it's hard to do because you got to spend more time on the phone with them and answer their questions and, and, and provide them with this information. But we got through it. Our hold times spiked. I mean, we're like a 30 second hold time in our service department. I think it got as high as 20 minutes. Uh, now it's come all the way back down again because we're through that bubble. But uh, I think that uh, the good work that our servicing department did educating borrowers served them well and served us well. And the result is we're trailing the national average in, as far as forbearance goes. Yeah, I, I really hope that uh, if we go through another round of uh, um, of closures or lockdowns or anything, that uh, I think you're right, that the government media need to do a better job of explaining that Forbearance is not forgiveness. I think there was a lot of, you know, confusion about that, like you said, and, and uh, I think industry did a lot of education and government media didn't exactly help out as much as they could have. So hopefully if we, if we, you know, you know, heaven forbid, but if we have to go through this again, hopefully there's some better education on the, on the front end by uh, government media. Um, so let's, uh, let's switch gears here. I'm curious. Uh, this is uh, something that I know you've always been a huge supporter of uh, industry grassroots uh, advocacy work. And uh, I mean, to say the least, you're, you know, if not the biggest standout in the industry, you know, right up there. And, uh, um, and it was just from you know, the California MBA's perspective, we've been really appreciative of uh, the effort that you and New American Funding have made on some big legislative issues in our state. And so I'm curious, what would you say, what's your, you know, why do you get so involved in advocacy work? And what's the, what's the reason behind that? You know, I think it was um, the just the journey that I've been on since I started, you know, not coming from this industry and just, you know, being one that's climbed the ladder rung by rung. Uh, it's It's been very interesting to me to watch how things have unfolded over the 15 to 20 years that I've been involved. And one of the bigger uh, eye-opening parts for me was the financial crisis because here you had this financial crisis and you can't argue that there was wrongdoing, but you also can't argue that there was culpability everywhere. Even from our leaders, our Congress people and our senators, you know, pushing for higher home ownership rates and all that, you know, and I just watched how lending became the whipping boy of everything that happened. And it, it was well-deserved in a lot of cases, but we weren't the only complicit industry in what happened in the financial crisis. But the reason that we got unduly exposed is our lobby was so weak. 
you know, you look at the realtors, nothing ever happens to the realtors. Their lobby is so powerful. I think they raise seven million dollars a year in their pack. And at the time, I think mortgage was like two hundred thousand dollars a year, three hundred thousand dollars a year is nothing. And the Mortgage Action Alliance, for anybody listening that's in lending that doesn't know, it's quite simply the slickest and easiest thing that you could ever be a part of. Why every not just loan officers. Why everybody in mortgage, everybody whose livelihood is dependent upon mortgages and industry, why they're not an active mom member is beyond me because it costs nothing. You get to know. I mean, they tell you what the issues are that are confronting the, the, the business and the whole system is set up. It, the system knows who your assemblyman is, who's your, who your uh, congressman is, who your, you know, it knows everything. So when it comes to sending a letter through to them, it's completely facilitated by the the uh, the tool. You just click a couple of buttons, click. Yeah. and and you can you can add to it. I mean, you can append the letter if you want. I mean, but it's 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 ten seconds, you know, to send a letter to your congressman or your assemblyman, right? And why wouldn't you want to be involved in that? You know, especially what's going on right now. I mean, I'm on three days a week. I'm on the NBA calls and I'm listening to the blocking and tackling they're doing for everybody that depends on this industry for their livelihoods. And more importantly, the borrowers that depend on us to give them access to credit. And the NBA is literally and the CMBA as well with the California issues. You're literally blocking and tackling at every turn and they need the support of us to send those letters through so ma i don't get i don't get why anybody as a matter of fact uh, i'd challenge my peers out there because as you said we you know we're the biggest uh, you had an issue in california a vitally important issue probably going to talk about it on this podcast you know we rallied the troops there was, I think, about 1,500 letters that went through to the California assemblymen and women, and the bill got defeated. And it was a bad bill. It would have made lending so much more important or expensive in California, and that would have affected everyone. Well, one-third of the letters that went through were from a New American Funding employee. One-third, 500 of the letters came from NAF, and you have to be you have to be domiciled in California to even send the letter because it was a California issue. That's probably 70% of the people we have in the state of California sent in a letter. And it, like I said, it's a button click. Why wouldn't we do that? Thank, thankfully, that was defeated in, in large part because of the good work the CMBA did. So thank you for everything that you did there. But there's a lot of that going on right now at the, at the national level, too. And we've got to make our voices heard or we're going to be the whipping boy again. And it's just that simple. And as far as more pack goes, the same thing. You know, we raise probably 10% of the money that's raised in the entire national pack comes from new American funding. And while that gives me great pride, it also gives me frustration and a little bit of anger that my peers do none of it. And so that's my challenge to everyone out there listening that's in control of a business. Get your people involved. And I'll give you another reason why it's vitally important. It is literally one of the underpinnings of our culture at New American Funding. We are advocates. I make sure our employees know what's going on. And they love it. They well, love it. Your, it's your army. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's great. You absolutely got them plugged in. 
And I get I get love letters from underwriters and processors and funders and marketing people and receptionists and you know everybody. I want to get involved and I don't know how. And you make it so easy and I appreciate it. Those are the letters and the emails I get. Why wouldn't every company out there want that? It's it's part of what makes your culture great is to bring everybody into one vision and one direction and one kind of a mandate. And people love it. It's never harmed me. It's never caused any grief. People absolutely love it. So it's it's something that we as an industry just need to do a better job at, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, you kind of touched on it. I think there's some a, a bit of disconnect. I think when I've spoken with uh, some leaders in the industry about uh, advocacy efforts and you, know, you kind of make the pitch that, you know, this is important for your business, for your company. I mean, this, you know, in some cases, it's a life or death issue for your company, at least in, in California. And uh, but I think you make a good point that if you're not just advocating for your employees and your and your business, your customers are at stake. And I mean, California is a huge chunk of you know potential homeowners and uh, and uh, in the case of uh, the uh, AB uh, 2501 here in California that we just defeated last week. I mean, it's servicers, it's current homeowners that are at stake in that one. So I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. You're advocating for your customers in addition to your business. Well, it really is all about the customers. I mean, it's easy to it's it's so easy to understand the impact to to your livelihood. You know, if all of a sudden you got to sell 50 basis points higher in rate or something like that to a state because of some wacky law that has a has a trickle down impact. But those bars, I mean, things in this state, especially, they're expensive enough. You know, everything you do here is expensive. You buy gas, you buy a house. It doesn't matter what you do. It's expensive. Last thing in the world you want to do is add a bunch of fees and interest to to the rates you're able to sell uh, to a consumer here. I mean, it's just a disservice to them. Yeah. And why? I don't get it. I mean, that was a really bad bill so yeah i mean if you're not if you're watching this and you're listening to this and you're not familiar ab 2501 would have added on to the uh, cares act and would have given up to i think essentially another year of forbearance without any requirement that the borrower have been affected by the pandemic and uh, i mean there's an in the initial uh, um, draft of the bill there's a provision there that if the borrower if the uh, servicer uh, failed to meet any requirement in the um, any provision of the act, then and this is not just something that would harm the borrower, which is really anything in the act that uh, you uh, make a mistake on, then the servicer could never foreclose on the loan for any reason. And so, I mean, to your point, I mean, it just would have made lending and servicing in the state. I mean, you guys are big servicers too, like he's mentioned. I mean, that would have made it virtually impossible to service and lend in California competitively. And to your point, to give borrowers access to affordable credit. Right. Yeah, I would have. I mean, and and anybody and anybody that wanted to get a free home then, right, would have brought suit against. <laughs> so the, all the costs would go up, and those costs would have to be covered, which is why it would have driven up uh, lending costs in this state uh, dramatically, in my opinion. So yeah, just just nuts. And if you think about the way it unfolded, right, it was like on a Tuesday, everyone's on the media going, you know, calling for a forbearance, and you're going to get this. And you got all these servicers out there that are, while moving people home, <laughs> stabbing up to accommodate this influx of interest and to say, but if you didn't dot an I, essentially your borrower could get their house for free. For free. Where's that yeah. going to come from? It's just crazy, crazy. So well, if, you're, 
you want, if you're listening to this and wondering, you know, well, was this some crazy bill that, you know, never, you know, made it to a committee? No, this passed the Banking and Finance Committee. This was authored by the chair of the Banking and Finance Committee in the California Assembly. It made it to a vote on the floor of the Assembly. And I mean, without the grassroots effort that we got largely from New American Funding, I think you're absolutely right to, uh, you know, in a sense, uh, put a little bit of shame, a little bit of a competitive uh, um, fire underneath the uh, the bellies of your, your uh, colleagues there, Rick. Without that grassroots effort, I think that bill probably passes the assembly. And now we are really fighting for our lives in the Senate. That's right. That's right. So. Dodged a bullet. And th like I said, thank you to the CMBA and thank you to the MBA for all the great work you're doing on so many issues that could have unintended consequences through this pandemic for our industry. I mean, just phenomenal work. Absolutely. And, you know, big shout out. You mentioned them a few times that, you know, big shout out to the Mortgage Action Alliance and the MBA. They did great work on this too. And to your point, it is so easy to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. So we'll have a link to that in the description as well. And if you're not signed up for that, like Rick said, it's it's so easy. It's so fast. You don't really have to be an expert on policy because as you mentioned, mentioned, you know, the industry's position on the legislation and a quick little summary of the bill is included when there's an action alert that goes out. And you're not going to be pummeled by emails. It's, you know, only when there's an actual, you know, in a sense, an actual emergency or a, uh, a bill that uh, requires your attention right now that they send out the message. They're, they're really good about being conservative and sending those out and not sort of blowing up your inbox. So that shouldn't yeah. be a fear. So, and to your point about uh, getting involved with uh, fundraising as well for election efforts, I mean, more pack at the federal level with uh, the NBA and CAMPAC here in California, it's really important to be involved with those as well and make your voice heard that way. Yep. And we got to push the dollars that they have available to them up, you know, uh, you know, Cal, uh, obviously California can pack, but more pack too. I mean, we're, I was the chairman in 17 and 18. Uh, and it was the first time, I believe the first time we broke a million dollars a year. Uh, I took over from Jamie chorus that really got the pack to new levels. Uh, we were able to eclipse that and Eddie Perez with equity prime is current, uh, chairman. I know he's doing a fabulous job too. So we're getting those numbers up there, but like I said, you know, everyone's got 10 or 20 bucks to throw at their pack. Most companies, they really, it's a CEO maxes out at 5,000, just like me and Patty do. We, we max out every year. Um, but it's, I think it's incumbent upon the companies to open the door to their qualified employees and say, hey, now's the time to consider giving whatever you can afford, whatever you're comfortable with. Five bucks, give five bucks. If it's a hundred bucks, give a hundred bucks. We actually started some of the new American funding that was one for 10, I think, for every, or one for a hundred. Every hundred dollars you make in this industry, give a dollar to your pack or something like that. As you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, give a hundred bucks. That's what it was one, one per thousand. That's what it was. Um, and it worked, you know, so, and it's not that much to ask. And no. it's one, one of the reasons why I think we're the largest contributor to the pack in the country uh, for, for more packs. So very proud of that. Well, Hey Rick, I think we could, uh, we could probably talk uh, the rest of the day here on uh, advocacy and uh, legislative and fundraising uh, uh, issues, but uh I think it's uh, time to start wrapping up here. So I want to thank you again for uh, joining us here on Connect. Um, if you want to find out more about Rick, what's the website for the company? Uh, NewAmericanFunding.com. NewAmericanFunding.com. You can uh, contact uh, Rick there, find out more about his company. 
And uh, if you want to, uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, you want to listen to more, you can follow us, uh, subscribe to us on uh, our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and uh, SoundCloud as well. You can check us out there. And we'll be back next Monday for another great episode of Connect. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.